Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, where we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in each week to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone. I'm Annie Levin, and this is Precipice, a show that aspires to stand at the edge, the edge of what we know, what we understand, what's familiar or comfortable, to see what conversations emerge from there. We invite guests willing to explore that terrain with us. They may be expert in certain things, but none of us are expert in navigating this troubled time. So we will be wondering out loud together. It's my great pleasure today to be speaking to Lindsay Scott. Born and raised in Rantoul, Illinois, Lindsay is no stranger to the strange, plain beauty of small town spaciousness. After studying painting at the University of Illinois, she fled to St. Louis, Missouri for a decade of community art and rambunctious collaboration, letting kids nurse back the creative soul that art school stole and letting the South Side streets be the hard knock school of social justice. One healing crisis, two superhero bike tours, a yoga teacher training, and a permaculture design course later, she followed insistent gut tugs to move back and rekindle the home fire. Led by the embodied inquiry, what does earth speed restorative culture feel like from the inside? She weaves a hyper-local web with song, gardens, circles, and art, catalyzing beloved community and playing attention to choose together the vibrant stories we most hope to embody. I've known Lindsay since 2013, when we spent two weeks taking a permaculture design certification course together on an electricity and petroleum-free farm and education center in Northeast Missouri. Her wild, joyful, generous, creative presence changes the spaces she enters. Suddenly there's singing, or there's dancing, or there's stretching, or there's laughter, or maybe some good deep eye contact with nothing needing to be spoken. Her hometown is very lucky for her presence, and so are we. Lindsay, welcome to Precipice. Mm. Thank you, thank you. It feels so good to be right here with you. Well, thank you for being here. So, where shall we begin? Oh, well, I'm raising my arms above my head and stretching and feeling my little heart beating. And it feels good to begin um, letting our bodies be right here in the present moment with us. One of my favorite ways to stand at the edge when we're risking or when we're meeting new people or when we're inviting something to come forward and we don't know what it is yet is to just be right here without having to let the brain direct. And so let's take a moment and take a few big breaths together. And I like to feel my feet on the floor. That helps me. And I like to notice my palms, let there be a spaciousness. spaciousness. And today, since I feel a little excited and nervous, I'm flipping them downward to feel the solidity of my body 
sometimes when I feel more curious or open, I might flip them upward. And then from this place, I just like to, to notice what is, what is the truth of my physical being so I can invite that wisdom to be part of, of discerning how to be. And usually when I do it, I relax a little bit because I know that I can be safe right here in my skin wherever I am. And I know I'm safe with you too. It's <laughs> really good. And all you, all you nice people out there in Radio Land. <laughs> yeah. So here we are with here our bodies and yep. the wisdom of our bodies and all the things that get to come through us and be here with us today. Mm-hmm. I noticed when you made that invitation how much of my energy was up in my head. And. <laughs> That breathing helped it move a little bit down. So now it's maybe some of it's in my body again, which is good. Yeah. I get a lot right in my jaw and my throat. And I feel it more in my in my belly and in my heartbeat and in my butt, <laughs> like sitting here solid on the earth. Mm. Well, so... So, Lindsay, for the last four years, you've been living in your hometown of Rantoul, Illinois, mm-hmm. which is a rural town of, I think, about 13,000 people. Yeah, so it says Wikipedia. Oh, hey, <laughs> you know more than I do. <laughs> um, and you've been, uh, these last four years, planting literal and figurative seeds that are blossoming in unexpected ways. And I'm wondering if you can speak a bit about the journey that that led you to where you are and what you're doing right now? Mm. I would love, love to take on that question. It all started back when, um, like when we were kids, we just all wanted to get away. There was this feeling of flee, of move to the place where things happen. Um, So I went to school, not far away, but I went to art school, which was a departure for me. I thought I would be studying medicine. That was the way I'd cultivated my mind and the sort of expectations I had for myself. But then I became really interested in healing less from the physical go to the doctor HMO side of things and more how story and movement and expression can draw us together. And I became very curious about how communities heal. Um, And that journey led me to St. Louis. And I'm so glad it did. St. Louis was the most wonderful wake-up call for me on so many levels. You know, growing up, um, upper-middle-class white girl, super conservative, religious, um, to start to be part of the web of life that's St. Louis, Missouri, I got a wonderful education in social justice and had a lot of waking up to do about things I was carrying. And I became part of a really vibrant community of artists there who were just engaged with bringing life back to the streets. St. Louis definitely had white flight happen. And the time that I was living there was such a coming home and 
waking up together and loving communities back into into vibrant spaces. Um, and that was that was really rich and also really shadowy because I was traveling away from the way that I knew myself to be a goody two shoes valedictorian, get everything right, like people pleaser to play in my edges and to, you know, jump off script and which, you know, involves edges <laughs> and, and living in ways that weren't sustainable for me and namely playing with substances in a way that wasn't sustainable. And so there came a time where I knew I was ready to travel back to my spirit and as the universe does got some, you know, really big pinches in the butt to get back on track in different ways. One was a violent encounter, which woke me up a lot to, um, the opening that happens through our woundings. That was when I found the practice of yoga and the practice of meditation and started to change my diet and my relationship with substances and kept following that path and following that path and eventually got another upgrade slash, you know, slap in the face with a, with an illness, which was a wonderful wake up call to the plant world and the way that plants are our healers. And that journey led me to become really interested in permaculture as a way of living in harmony with the cycles of earth and living inside the teachings of plants and animals. And so following these threads, it would just be like a baby step at a time. There is definitely like feeling in the dark, feeling towards beloved community, which has has been like a vision that has been so alive in my heart. Um, But then the means through which I'm pursuing that and inviting that. It's like learning how to weave with more strands. Started out as art and then started integrating practices of presence like yoga and breath and dance and then started integrating, um, you know, being inside of and connecting to nature more directly. And with this web in hand, I started feeling less, at home in St. Louis as a city and just started to feel really restless there. And I had encountered the work of Dominic Barter with restorative circles. And he asked a question that just landed in my being with such resonance and kept echoing. And the question is, where do you belong that you no longer go? And the question was uh, an invitation for us to, you know, to have confidence and bravery walking towards conflict and painful places in our life to know the treasures that these, you know, strong feelings are protecting. And around, like, well, I guess it was after that, I had lunch with my dad and, um, we had not been so close throughout my 20s because I was just exploring in a way that really wasn't in keeping with our family's culture. 
but we were opening up to each other again and he mentors um, men who are rebuilding their lives after prison in a halfway house and I was really curious about that so we were just talking about his desire that they would be supported by the community and some things going on there and he just off the cuff mentioned that he wanted to help them start a garden and that was another one of those things that just landed with such an echo in my heart. And I put it aside and I you know, went about continuing my work in St. Louis, but the gr- restlessness grew as did this tug of this idea to go home to my hometown and build a garden with my dad and, and meet these men and just get to know plants better in the context of also supporting and inviting um, people who had been locked up to have that, that exploration too. And so we did it. So I moved home and I thought it'd be maybe for like a month or two or five and, and, and way led on to way and the seeds kept producing seeds. And, and I fell in love with the simplicity of small town life and the sort of soul symmetry of the healing that's happening in me being here and what I'm able to offer from that place. And that's how I came home. Definitely never, definitely never thought it would happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. You mentioned beloved community. Can you say a bit about what that means? Sure. Um, little images flash in my head right now I'm sort of sketching a, a remix of Edward Hicks as a painter that painted again and again and again and again um, a painting he called The Peaceable Kingdom and it's based in the biblical prophecy of the lion laying down with a lamb um so coming home to a way of being where there's no longer enemy, where we understand that we belong to and with each other. And so the phrase beloved community dances to us from Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision. And it lives in my heart as an invitation to come home to each other. So the racial healing that is so ripe and ready and clamoring for attention and grieving and tending is at the heart for me of beloved community and also coming home to the earth of healing our separation from the land and where I am at this is corn and soy um, terrain so I think about you know what does it mean to support beloved community not creating monocrops wastelands but thriving ecosystems I'm right now I'm I'm searching for I I printed out a couple of your newsletters and I'm remembering something that you wrote and I might have to paraphrase it because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to find it but you said something about the difference between theory and practice like the difference between 
having big dreams, let's say, of beloved community and talking about it in theory. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when we actually (laughs) get down on the ground and try to do something. And one of the things that I've been so amazed by in in terms of you and your work in Rantoul is how much you have sort of showed up to take those on the ground steps. And I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about um, how it's unfolded so far, because mm-hmm. I know you landed thinking, okay, I'm going to do this garden. Maybe I'll be here for a month or two and then I'll go. And then one month turned into two turned into, you know, now it's four years later. Yeah. And if you can speak to a little bit of, of how those on the ground steps have, have happened. I would love to. Um, yeah. Yeah, one of the tenets that feels central to my life right now is the African proverb, pray and then move your feet. So, yeah, I love swimming inside these giant ideas and I can definitely get stuck there. And so I love just like, what is the next available step I can do to ground this dream into this present moment? Um, and so the garden continues to be, I don't know, you know, we all need a place that's Eden where we go and our feet are on the earth and we are present to the miracle of life. And for me, it's that place. And it's so humble, you know, like all these things feel so tiny and humble. There are no like grandiose projects that you take people to and they're like, Oh, wow. But I feel it so deeply in my heart. Um, and that just grew, you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows so much too because the population at this half, halfway house ebbs and flows so much. But it has been over the years uh, a safe place and a beautiful place for, you know, men. A lot of times they're getting custody of their kids or getting to meet their kids again. <laughs> a few weeks ago, one of the guys met his grandkids for the first time and it's so joyful to see them you know, playing with the plants or playing with the ants or the worms or the butterflies or making bouquets together. And based in, you know, the encounter that I mentioned in St. Louis is a violent encounter and um, a man is spending his life in in prison uh, for the rest of his life because of it. And that, for me, I became, I became connected to the prison system based in that encounter. And it's part of the prayer of my heart that that system be healed and that the humans who are inside of it are loved and supported to know themselves and that the trauma that often causes the crime could be released. And that's such a giant prayer, right? And so for me, having a place where I can go and interact and get to hear the stories um, is just... I'm grateful to have that place and uh, and grateful to have a place to I'm so healed by stories like the way we can just educate each other by telling each other who we are is so nourishing to me um, so that would be that would be one of the ways um, the yoga studio grew like I never imagined to start a yoga studio here I actually didn't want to start teaching yoga when I came home because Um, you know, I grew up in a church where that is seen as, um, like not godly, (laughs) like that is not an acceptable practice. 
in the culture, church culture that I grew up in. And, and so I didn't really think there would be a desire for it here, but there was, people started asking me. And, um, and so based in that request, then I said yes. And I actually started teaching in the basement of the Methodist church. There was an awesome Lakota woman who is a pastor there. And she and I just got on so well. And she invited me to teach classes in the basement there of their Methodist church. And then those classes grew and that spun off into the space that I am working in now. So yeah, it's just kind of saying yes to the thing where there is liveliness and allowing those threads to gain energy and take a life of their own. We just started a women's circle in the same way. We had a a class of women who we really loved each other and we really got into supporting each other. It was this self-care Saturdays series and we started texting each other nightly gratitudes to um, just strengthen our gratitude muscle and that developed a relationship that turned into a monthly moon circle and, you know, I wouldn't have imagined these things. I think I have, I'm, I'm being healed of like ideas that I have of what's not possible here um, based in, you know, feelings of loneliness and being the odd duck growing up. And so I love being surprised. Can you tell a story of an interaction you had or or can you think of a specific time where something happened that really went against your expectations of how it would be where you are? Hmm. Hmm. Um, Well, what comes up is the gift of getting to do racial healing work with my parents. You know, I mean, I love playing that game of like telling yourself five years ago what you'd be doing now. And if I would have told my St. Louis self when I was in a study group for Shelley Toffolk's book, Witnessing Whiteness, oh, you know, in a few years, you're going to be leading this group in your hometown and your parents are going to be in the group. I've been like, no way, no way. Um, so those, they're small, but they, they're so sweet. Another one that comes to mind is, you know, I love as a yoga teacher um, giving just gentle adjustments in Shavasana to help people ground and because they feel so good. And the first time my second grade teacher came to my yoga class and I was holding her head in my hands, there was just this really sweet feeling of healing of, you know, what happens when we, when the generations shift and the younger start to get to give to the elders that just wasn't a part of my, my life as richly when I lived in St. Louis. It sounds like one of the themes I'm hearing and what you're talking about is coming into different relationship with the idea of what's quote unquote small. Oh yeah. <sighs> uh like, how has it been 
growing up in our culture where there's so much focus on what's big, coming back to a place that's small and doing work that maybe others or you yourself might look at and say, well, but it, it's so small. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a dance with my sweet little ego. I mean, sometimes it's so scary to be here. I feel like so lost from the big picture of like things that are exciting. You know how you can Instagram at night and just torture yourself with all the exciting things you're not doing. And then sometimes it feels so sacred. It almost hurts. Like it's so beautiful and right. And it's just so fun and funny to watch the fluctuation and understand where my energy and perception is at. And uh, I can't, is it, I think the word is, is morphogenesis. You can help me here. And the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. And Charles Eisenstein's work, how he talks about, you know, these tiny acts rippling out. And if we really, really start to let ourselves be known and be held in this web of life, um, all of the, the notions that we've been taught about success and scale are just dissolved into a frame where instead what's important is soul. Like being in alignment with soul and being in in the energy of love and gratitude and service is like, it's kind of really all there is. And so, I mean, I love big thinkers and systems thinkers and people who are creating like just giant effective switches in paradigms. Yes. And I really understand that each of us weaves in a different way and that's perfect. (sighs) And so it's like, yeah, just continuing to invite myself to trust that Mm -hmm. and be so compassionate with myself when it feels scary. (laughs) Well, and morphogenesis that you mentioned, I think that's Rupert Sheldrake's idea. Okay. It's that, or or the the concept that he developed, which is that once something happens in one place, it can start to happen all over in ways that it wasn't before. Mm. So that even a small act in one place might have impacts far away that we don't know about, Mm. which is really beautiful. So Mm. I think this is a good place to take a break. Mm. Uh, My guest today is Lindsay Scott who moved back to her rural hometown of Rantoul, Illinois, where she's planting gardens, teaching yoga and art, gathering people in song, inviting deep inquiry, and taking one step at a time toward vibrant, beloved community. You can follow Lindsay on Instagram at lila.gaia, that's L-I-L-A dot G-A-I-A, or check out her website at www.seehere.info, that's S-E-E-H-E-R-E dot info, which also has links to her beautiful art that can be purchased on Etsy. And we'll be right back after these messages. Thank you. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com In these times of converging crisis, the world needs us now more than ever before. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is devoted to amplifying inspiring voices facing challenging realities head-on opening up new places of power and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward personal, communal, and global health. The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know to be possible. Join us on this journey. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our hosts are clinicians of mind and body medicine and lifestyle change. They are writers, activists, educators, and change agents. You can reach the show and our hosts at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Precipice. I'm Annie Levin, and my guest today is visual artist, yoga teacher, song leader, and gardener, Lindsay Scott, who four years ago moved back to her rural hometown to plant seeds, literal and figurative, in her home soils. So, Lindsay, one of the, I guess, hats that you wear in your hometown, one of the seeds you're tending is carrying song. And we haven't talked about that yet. I'm wondering if you might share a song with us. I would love to. Um, Yeah, singing came back into my heart through a festival called Village Fire Singing, which is one of so many popping up around the globe. Just the, the knowing that that song is something that we share and and need um, is, is rippling around singing alive festivals. And 
I had loved singing from the time I was a child. My mom was a praise and worship leader at our church. And so song as a way to connect with the mystery, as a way to express your heart is something that is some of my very earliest memories, just her singing her heart song as we would like be getting tucked in and she would just be on the piano freestyling. And so as I, you know, left that conservative Christianity of my youth, I stopped singing and finding my way back to this way has been so, so fun and healing. And I often, uh, just let little ditties pop in to support whatever is wanting to happen at that moment. So if I'm grumpy, it might be a silly song. If I'm grieving, it might be a grief-tending song. And a lot of times these songs are just a line or two, and their power is in their simplicity. When you get together in a group, if there's harmonizers, you might stack multiple harmonies, or there might be stacking parts that fit together. Um, but the song that comes up to share right now is one that landed in my heart maybe in the first year or so after I moved home. And I was tending this longing to be part of beloved community and what it is to hold that sacred seed where it's not stoked yet. There's not a, a vibrant, intentional community. There's still a lot of conservatism. And and a lot of times here, I I just have my antenna up. I'm like, where are the connections? And how are we building this? And where is it already alive? But in that, sometimes I can get really tired and just feel really lonely and like not part of the web of life. And so the song is a way of of expressing my desire to come back home to the knowing that I am, that I am part. And, and I'll sing it for you. Thank you. Draw me back home. Welcome in the web of life. I am home. In my soul skin now. Draw me back home. Welcome in the web of life. I am home in my soul skin now. And then you just Sing it till you feel it. So the words are, draw me back home. Welcome in the web of life. I am home in my soul's skin now. Mm. That's beautiful. Thanks. It's and pretty fun when there's lots of saucy harmonies in there. Yeah. So sounds pretty true. Well, and you started leading song groups in Rantoul, right? I haven't yet led them in Rantoul. Okay. I've. I go over, um, the nearest town over is Champaign-Urbana, and that's a, a place where I also teach yoga and do some leading at a yoga studio there. So our song circle right now meets at that at that studio. Uh, I'm trying to think what I... I'm So my eye keeps landing in the same place in my notes, which is 
part of a, a longer quote. As you were singing, I found myself reading, the impeded stream is the one that sings, mm. which is part of a Wendell Berry quote. Mm. And again, I keep thinking about the work that you're doing. So all these things have 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 started to blossom over the last four years that you're teaching yoga and leading songs and planting gardens. And I know there's more we haven't even talked about teaching art and, and, and more. And I know too, though, that um, it hasn't always been easy to, to stay with this, to stay with these seeds that maybe aren't, they don't grow quickly or, or there's all those times you mentioned there's times of loneliness. And I'm wondering if you could just speak to how you've navigated staying to tend these things when it wasn't always easy. Mm. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, I like learning to tune into what is the ripe fruit? Like what is the, what is the lesson that my soul is wanting right now? Um, and when I sit with, with that, the last few years for me have been opening to perseverance and commitment in a way that is new for my life. You know, I definitely had a story from probably when I was 18 on of like moving every year, at least moving apartments, not cities, but changing context and and the work I did in St. Louis as a community artist would be three months gigs or six months gigs and um, I guess it was permaculture I remember (laughs) you know when you just read something and you explode into tears and you don't really know why Mm -hmm. Um, it was when we were designing our projects at the Possibility Alliance at that permaculture course and I was looking at a diagram of fruit orchard and a way to think about it over the years that it'll grow. You know, you think about that space so differently when the trees are a year or two old than when they're five or 10 or 15 years old. And, and I just exploded into tears that felt like longing to know land and to know people and to know a place and myself in that way. And, and so that has felt, that has felt ripe to be home. And in the same way that St. Louis kind of released me to the next step from a place of just growing, um, unsettled feeling, I know that I'm on purpose strengthening the muscle of, of intuition and trust. And so, although I often forget it, I know that what's true is that when it's time to do something, my soul tells me it's time to do something. And so if it's time to move from these projects and be in a place where the soil is already very fertile or the community is already built, I know that my soul will pinch me in the butt and tell me to get up and go. Um, So I'm learning to listen and learning to wait for those cues and trust that they will be clear enough to discern. Well, it sounds like I imagine that takes a lot of patience. <laughs> and a word I've heard you use a lot is earth speed. Yeah. I really like that word. I like that possibility that 
that word conjures. Can mm. you talk about earth speed and and where that lives in in your life? Um, as you're asking that, I'm remembering, I think that you are actually the person that planted the seed for that word in me um, because the song Earth Speed got born when we were biking away from the, the permaculture course. And I remember being in circle with you at that course and you were talking about, you know, the way rocks tell time, geological time, contra to, you know, the fast paced clock that we live on and it the way you spoke about it was like lit something up in me that I hadn't understood before that and just from there and from starting to grow a connection to nature I really really trust cycles and dormancy and the time it takes for things to decompose and the time it takes for things to germinate and you know, often with plants, there's so much that we don't see. And then all of a sudden, there's this explosion of growth. Um, and so those are some of the things that have supported my patience and my my curiosity, I guess. And, and that we don't know. Like so much, you know, we only see one tiny corner. I think it's always a gift from life when we get a reflection back just at the time we might need it. Um, you know, I know that like when I got to be in the public school system this last fall, I felt so ineffectual in the face of all that is the trauma that the students are carrying. And then, you know, one day I got the stack of thank you notes from them and it helps me broaden the story of, of impact. Cause I think it's a lot of times it's really hard for us to see who we are and what the work that we do is making possible. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can imagine how day by day it's hard to see that anything's happening at all. Also like also like plants, it can be if you're watching the grass grow daily, it's hard to see, but if you step back and look what happens in a week or a month or a season, there's a lot happening. Right. And I I watched the video, the YouTube video that you made with your students, the Grow Beyond song, mm-hmm. which I think is posted on your website. So I'm going to encourage people to check it out. <laughs> but it really, you know, that you you wrote a song and and really developed that song with the students and then made a video. And it, it at least showed me the incredible richness that, that was able to happen in that big system. Mm. It was sure fun learning to listen for the restorative possibilities. Um, you know, as someone who is really excited to root out trauma from our bodies, it feels real bad to be part of putting it in. And public school is, you know, I mean, teachers and, and administrators come in with so much love and there's just so many ways that the system is stacked to, perpetuate separation and perpetuate, you know, repressing the natural wisdom of the body. And so being in that system with an ear towards possibilities for countering that was, was a gift. Um, and also just to learn what it is in my own nervous system to come ready to, to listen day in and day out. 
But I was just so moved by the brilliance of of the students' lyricism and the rhythms in their bodies and how much they loved dancing. And even though it was, you know, mostly drawing and painting kind of curriculum, just scooted those things over so that we could make room for what was already alive. You're just mentioning dancing and the students getting into their bodies. And just before this interview, you mentioned to me that you're going to be teaching yoga to one of the athletic teams at the local high school. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's been so fun to see, um, you know, where people will tiptoe past, like, this weird thing what is this weird thing that you're doing and reach for it and just to connect with people who are who are open-minded there's definitely a lot of fear of of yoga especially among men here that's not something that you do but there's a couple coaches who you know are obviously tuned into the support that yoga is to professional athletes and so I got to experiment with the track team um like this spring and and yeah I just got a text that I'm going to be working with the football team which is so fun it's so fun to connect with, um, you know, teenagers just seeding mindfulness practice at that age is a place where I feel so much, so much aliveness. I'm wondering about teaching yoga in your small community where I'm imagining there's not a huge yoga scene and, and that maybe many of the people that you're teaching have not done yoga before they show up to your class and what you've noticed happens for them to come into their bodies in that way. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's such a gift to watch that, you know, melting process happen. It's definitely like kind of a high risk thing. I think for a lot of people, I think they kind of watch it on Facebook for a while or they'll call. Um, I have beginners almost every class, like people who it's their first class. And that is one of my favorite things in the whole world, just to get the gift of, of supporting someone in their first, their first class. Definitely the only yoga studio in town. Um, and, you know, I, I'm really coming to fall in love with, with my people. Like the most common phrase I hear people describe uh, my town with is salt of the earth people and you know there can be a shyness or a conservatism um so a lot of times there's a lot of giggling <laughs> you know when I ask people to do breath practices that seem strange to them um so yeah my teaching style I tend to be very very clear um use humor a lot give people a lot of space I definitely teach um, light on the Sanskrit and philosophy, inviting people to come into the universal experience of listening to their body teacher. And yeah, I just adore watching people melt from, you know, the nervousness of class number one to feeling just like they know how to be in their bodies, like they have permission. That's actually one of the one of the words my song teacher Lawrence uses this word that um, means a lot to me, you know, because when I was growing up, my dream was to be a medical missionary. And then that went out the window with 
the with the passing of my my traditional religious practice. Um, but the the word permissionary like lands in that same space of just living living in such a way that when you walk into a space, people are really clear about the permission they have to fully be themselves. Um, and so that word permissionary is one that I carry in my heart and my mind and all of the verbs that I'm up to here of just, you know, what is it to live in such a way that we feel fully welcome, you know, all of us, our darkness and our light, our weakness and our strength. Has anything changed around that that sense of welcome in the last six to nine months in, in terms of the, the, the political climate? Like, I'm wondering what it's like to be in a really conservative place, offering some of the things that you're offering, which are maybe less conservative or like how... Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to ask, but there's so, there's so there's so many questions for people about how do we come together when we have such different ways of moving in the world in this country, and I don't even mean an us versus them. There's there's multiple ways of approaching what it is to live as a community in the world here in the U.S. And I'm just wondering how what you're doing comes up against that mm. um so Rantoul grew up as a farming community mostly German farming community and then for many years it was home to Chinute Air Force Base and in that time Rantoul enjoyed um, a harmony in its growing racial diversity and that anchored some aspect of peace and diversity, at least to some extent, um, compared to the small towns around us that still have quite strong lingering legacies of racism, you know, known as sundown towns. So Rantoul is, is different in the place that we are and increasingly so and that often feels like there's a tipping point like you know when I grew up the school was predominantly young white people and now it's predominantly brown and black bodies and that was so exciting to feel the difference when I was teaching within the schools and also helps me see that there's like such an urgent need for change in leadership and change in the school structures so that we can be teaching in a way that is just culturally appropriate. And, um, and so, you know, Rantoul often feels like it is teetering on the brink. There is this um, undercurrent sometimes of, of, of racism and small town, small mindsetness, but then there's also this burgeoning diversity and the opportunities that come from that and the fear that comes from that. And so I feel like a lot of times uh, what I'm wanting to do is create spaces that are 
welcoming and send the message as clearly as I can to all the different factions of our community so that there are spaces that are not ours or theirs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that we can start to undo stories that we have of each other. Mm-hmm. It's just really clear from how you talk that you love your community. Like that you have a lot of love for that place and the people. One thing I haven't mentioned that is probably where a lot of that stems from is from my parents. You know, I chose here, I chose to come back, um, you know, to get to know them better and to heal our relationship. And part of what I get to enjoy being home is being part of who they are. They're, they're very beloved here and they've, they've given so much. And so I'm enjoying learning what it is to, to be part of a family, to create, even though my work is very different than my, my parents and our beliefs are different, there is an essence of, of how we show up that is similar. And, and I, I have learned from them how to love this place well. Well, we're out of time, but that's a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much for being here, Lindsay, and for mm-hmm. bringing your vibrant, joyful, creative self to the places you plant your feet mm-hmm. and being willing to show up and take steps forward in the presence of uncertainty and doubt and everything else that bubbles up when we move out of the world of theory and start getting dirt under our nails. Mm-hmm. Thank you for making art out of your days in so many ways. Mm. Mm. thank you so much Annie for having me here and for coaxing stories forth so generously well my guest today has been Lindsay Scott who is bringing art yoga song seeds and deep inquiry to the place where she's planted you can follow Lindsay on Instagram at lila.gaia Check out her writing, art, and adventures on her website at seehere.info. That's S-E-E-H-E-R-E dot info, which also links to her art, which you can buy on Etsy. Next week, Precipice will be back with Max Dashu, founder of the Suppressed Histories Archives and author of Witches and Pagans, Women in European Folk Religion, 700 to 1100, a book 40 years in the making, part of a 15-volume series on the suppressed history of women. Please join us for that conversation at this time, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. It has been such a pleasure to be here with you all today. Thank you for listening in. Until next time, may we be willing to stand at the edge, unblinking, together. I'm Annie Levin, and this is Precipice. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to new ways of seeing to greater degrees of compassion, and to pathways to health for our world with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel.